Hey, welcome back to the Rob Skinner podcast. My school, my goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, to make this life count and to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Today, we're going to take a look at part four in our final session in how to make your life count. We've taken a look at some other classes here and in class number four, we're talking about people who make this life count are humble and eager to learn. There's only one perfect leader, that's Jesus. So in view of this, we're going to look inside at how imperfect people can still become great leaders. That's you and me. Our attitudes of humility, eagerness to learn, and repentance characterize the self-aware and growing leader. These qualities of humility and teachability depend on the other three things that we've already gone over in our past three podcasts. We talked about being Christ-centered, that we need to be secure in our relationship with Christ, that he is the source of our power. Number two, we got to be action-oriented. Only when you take action do you see the need for improvement. A moving car needs constant input. We've got to take that action so that we can get a, get a bead. Hey, what's going good? What, what needs to change? And then the third thing we looked at last time was being good with people. If you aren't good with people, no one will be able to help you grow. They won't be able to reach you because you'll be blind to your own weaknesses. One of the great joys of the life of a disciple or follower of Jesus is the opportunity to continue to grow in our character and our relationship with God. This is why I love being a Christian. I mean, there's so many reasons why following Jesus is so amazing, but what an incredible blessing that we're, we're getting sanctified, we're growing. We don't have to be the same person we were last year or 10 years ago. We can be changing, and, and it's so satisfying to know I'm different. I'm not perfect, but I'm different. I'm better. I'm better than I was. And that's an amazing feeling. And whether you're 20 right now or 18 or you're 30 or 40, you can keep growing till the day you die. You don't have to plateau. And that's amazing. But we need to realize we're a work in progress. And we should find joy in the process of growing because we're, we, we can get better. And so we don't have to focus on exactly where you are right now. You can get better. So my question is, are you growing? And here's a good test for that, because sometimes we're not the best judges of how we're doing. But here's a good one. Can people around you see you growing? In 1 Timothy chapter 4, in verse 15, the Bible says this, Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Now here's Paul giving a young man advice on how to grow, how to become a godly leader. And he says, put your all into this, really grow. You know, work hard at it, at growing, so that everyone may see your progress. Now, sometimes we read that and go, I don't want to grow to please other people. Well, that's not what Paul's saying. But you need to grow so much that people will see you growing. That's like the acid test because people notice a growing person. They can tell when you're changing. I remember one time I was reading the book, The Imitation of Christ, and people started making comments like, wow, you really really notice you're becoming more serving. And Now, I didn't solicit those, those comments, but people started to see my progress, and it was very gratifying. 
So that, that needs to be our goal. Can people see you growing? People should be able to comment. Now, if people aren't noticing it, if they're just saying, oh, that's just, you know, old so-and-so, he's always that way, that's a bad sign. And so how can we grow to, to change? It? Well, number one, you got to be receptive to God's word and instruction. Got to be receptive to God's word. In Matthew chapter 13, we're going to be looking at a number of scriptures here. So pull out your Bible. Matthew 13, verse 23. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. I think all of us want to be in that fertile fourth soil. That's awesome. You know, multiplying. We want to multiply. We want to, we don't want to just be one. We want to see so many disciples born, leaders around us. We want to be a, a fruitful person. But he says, the person who hears the word and understands it, that's the person that produces the crop. So you've got to be receptive to God's word. That's the power. It's taking in God's word and doing something with it. That's when your life really starts changing. Acts chapter 17 and verse 11, this is something we know. It says, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thess- Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. These guys were so noble because they were into the Bible. They loved it. Now, I want to ask you, how's it going in your intake of God's word? I hope you're into it. I remember just becoming a Christian. I would just had I was given this little portable Bible. I'd pull it out on campus, just read it all the time. But you got to keep that passion alive as you get older, as you get into your 30s and 40s. And some of us are kind of going, yeah, I know I need to have my quiet time more and stuff like that. Guys, it's absolutely necessary. You've got to be eager to get into the scriptures. First Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, I'm giving you a lot of scriptures here. Please email me contact me, uh, and I will be glad to send you the notes for this for, and the transcript for this class, no problem. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 says, And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Wow, that's so powerful. We've got to look at the Bible in a different class entirely than any books we read, anything that we take in. It's got to be accepted not as human, but the Word of God. I, you know, Sometimes I, I tell people when I'm trying to help them become Christians, I say, listen, I want you to imagine Jesus just walks in the door. And you know it's Jesus. You know it's not just a hippie or something like that. But it's, it's someone who's, that. you go, that's Jesus. And he sits down right there next to you. And he says, hey, Sam. I've been watching you. Here's a couple things you need to work on. Now, if you knew for sure that was Jesus, do you think you'd pay attention to what he said? I certainly would. I go, yeah, why? Because that's Jesus. Well, in the same way, when you open up the Bible, that's the word of God. We've got to have that same approach to it that comes from having Jesus there with us in a live setting. Now, I want to give you a little bit of credit right now, you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast unless you were receptive. And you probably wouldn't have stuck around as long as this into the program unless there was some receptivity to you. So I really want to lift you up there and say, great job. But it's bad when we start to shut off God's word and we start to ignore it or think we don't need it anymore or we get resentful. 
when I was a freshman in high school, my shop teacher, Chris Owen, shared a story about when he was in high school. And he was the shop foreman in his woodshop class. And there was a guy who was messing around and he was working on the table saw, which is a, a circular blade that sticks out of a table and you use for cutting long strips of wood and, and boards. And it's a, it's a dangerous piece of equipment. You gotta be really careful. But Chris went up to this guy and said, hey, be careful. I've noticed your, your fingers get really close to that blade. And the guy just blew him off. Well, Chris went back another time and noticed that the guy was not doing, doing it correctly. He's being really, he's, he's goofing off with his friends while he was doing it. He wasn't paying attention. And he warned him again. The guy yelled at him and called him names. Well, Chris looked back and the guy was doing it again. And he, he thought, I got to go tell that guy. But he thought, I'm not going to do it. The guy's not going to listen to me. So he walks away and then he hears this scream. He runs back over and the guy lifts up his hand and the guy's thumb was gone. Four fingers, but no thumb anymore. Why? Because he wouldn't listen. He wouldn't pay attention to good instruction. Now, we don't want to be that way towards God's teaching. We've got to be receptive to what God has to tell us. And that leads to the second related point. You've got to be teachable. In Matthew chapter 18 and verse 3, he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change, become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. You got to be teachable. Kids are so teachable. They learn. They learn easily. They learn quickly. They don't even think about it. They're just learners. And if you want to be a person who really makes a difference in this world, who when you die, you just go, whoa, that was a powerful life. It starts with being like a child. You're a quick learner. In Luke chapter 11, when Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. I mean, this really says something about Jesus' disciples because they were willing to just speak out, say, hey, teach us. We want to learn. Even though they'd grown up in a religious society, they wanted Jesus to show them. And so even though these guys were ordinary men, fishermen and tax collectors and different types of people, very teachable. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. Now, let's say you've been a disciple for five or ten years. Maybe you're leading a small church somewhere. Or maybe you're working in a company. You probably don't have someone who's looking out for you on a, on a weekly basis. You probably maybe don't have someone in a traditional discipling relationship who's calling in and checking in on you. In that situation, you've got to train yourself to be godly. You've got to have the skills build up where you are discipling yourself. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy. You know, he didn't have Zoom. He didn't have podcasts. He didn't have Skype, even a phone call. All he had was this one letter. And so what does he tell Timothy, who's still young, but on his own and independent? Train yourself to be godly. When I, when I planted a church in Ashland, Oregon, I was by myself just me and my wife, my kids, no other disciples that I knew of in that town, this is the scripture really hit me. i got to train myself to be godly. I've got to depend on really discipling myself. Now, I still reached out and called people, but man, I had to do it myself. And that's biblical. How can we train ourselves? Well, like we talked about last week, number one is you got to grow in self-awareness. You've got to become really good 
at being honest with yourself and being open to, to the fact that you're not quite perfect yet. I know that shocked you. I know that may just totally rock your world there. But you're not quite there to Jesus' status yet. And it's really going to help you to become a person who's self-aware, who can go, okay, these are the things I need to work on. You know, you should have a list of three or four things that you go, these are weaknesses that I need to work on and I'm working on them. So we talked about that last week, asking people, hey, what are, what are a couple things, I'm trying to work in this area, what are two things, two suggestions that would help me going forward in developing this area? What else? Read great books. Guys, read. Now, this always mystifies me because I talk to, to people that want to grow or younger people or even older people. And I'm doing a class for them and they want to get help. And I ask them, what are you reading? And I say, well, I don't like to read. And I just, I shake my head. I just, I think, oh my gosh, that person's cooked. If you don't like to read, you are really handicapped. You are, you're a person that either learns to love to read or you're going to be kind of like trying to run a race with a ball and chain around your ankle. You've got to be a great reader. Paul was a great reader. He was into books. And every good leader that I've ever known was a, a voracious reader. And there's so many ways you can consume books that you don't even have to, if you don't like the actual pulling out a book and looking at it on paper, maybe you've got dyslexia or something like that, or maybe you're told you weren't a good reader when you are young. Man, audiobooks. I've got audible.com and man, you can, you know, when you're working out or just going for a walk, you can consume books. You just turn it up a little bit to like 1.5 normal speed. That's what I do. And you get through books fast and it's powerful. You don't have to have a physical book in front of you. You can just listen, have someone read it to if you don't like to, to read it yourself. But there's so many good books. And one one way that through good books is I would recommend, of course, there's of course, the Bible, that, that goes without saying. There's commentaries on the Bible. There's spiritual books that you can read, but there's also biographies of great people, not necessarily spiritual people, but they can be spiritual. They don't have to be, but there's so many biographies that will inspire you. And you'll learn from them, too. I mean, I, I've read books like by Steve, jo- Steve Jobs. You know, that guy strikes me as a real jerk, but he had some incredibly great qualities that I respect, and you learn to parse through those things and go, okay, I'm going to leave that, but I want to, I want to absorb this one good quality. Or Napoleon or Alexander the Great. Now, I know some of these things seem so old, but these guys are movers and shakers. I mean, if you're a follower of Jesus, he's 2,000 years old, but you still follow him. So there's a lot of people since then or even before that you can learn from, and it's very relevant. And so I would recommend comparing yourself to other growing people or looking around you. It doesn't have to be in books. Who's growing? I, I think this is one of the values of these podcasts is as we go forward, I'm going to be interviewing people who are growing, who are making a difference and are making their lives count. And I'd like you to come back and listen to those interviews because it'll help you. You don't have to feel insecure, but you can go, wow, I could do that. I could, I could take that point that that person just shared. I could implement that in my life. And you take these different pieces from people, and when you compare yourself to growing people, you start to get better. When you're around people who are growing, you'll start to grow. And some of us are in situations where we're kind of like the top dog, but when we look around, maybe people aren't growing as much, but you can go outside of that to, to people who are growing, and you can train yourself to be godly. What else? Set your mind on things above. Philippians chapter 4 in verse 8. 
Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Okay, so he says, be careful about the garden of your mind. Make sure that whatever goes into it is true, noble, right, and pure. So you've got to guard what's coming into your mind and set your minds on things above. This is, if you want to grow, you've got to be careful about what you're putting in there. And, and it doesn't have to just be the Bible. He says, whatever is true. Okay, so you can go to sources that are extra biblical, that are not in the Bible necessarily, but maybe they're pure. Maybe there's some, some music that really inspires you or a book that inspires you or a concert or someone's life. But it can be so, maybe just getting out into nature and it inspires you. But if those things are, are excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And that's, that's something that you can go after, that you could implement into your life today. Setting your minds, changing. Now listen, there's a lot of junk on TV. And a lot of us as disciples, I'm just sorry. The stuff you're watching, and I hear, you know, I see people post it on Facebook. Hey, I'm watching this show. And I'm just like going, you got to be kidding me. Yes, you can do it. It might be permissible, but it's certainly not beneficial. I mean, there's so much just darkness, negativity. It's certainly not pure. It's not admirable. A lot of it is just incredible, like exalting crime. I mean, there's just so much, Jack, and I don't want to go on a rant about modern media, but guys, listen, you don't have to watch that stuff. There's so much. You could choose other things or choose better things or even just not watch it, but be careful. Be careful. What else? Humble and God-fearing. Humble and God-fearing. Third point. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. We've got to fear God. We're saved by grace. Praise God. But man, you read through the, the New Testament, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, it's challenging. When he says, man, cut that arm off, gouge that eye out, He's not joking. We got to fear him. We got to fear his judgment. We got to understand we, we're going to be facing an impartial God, an impartial father. That's what Peter says. And that's the beginning of knowledge. We've got we've to realize, listen, a lot of people fall by the way. We don't want to be one of those people. In Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 11, at the end of your life, you'll groan. When your flesh and body are spent, You'll say, how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. Now listen, you're, you're listening to lessons, you're listening to one right now, you're having a discussion right now, listening to this podcast, and you're getting good input. And I bet there's some things that people have told you that you just didn't want to do because you just, just feel like I don't want to do that. But at some point, you're going you're gonna to get to a point where you go, man, I wish I would have taken that advice. And definitely when you face God, there's going to be some areas where you go, oh, I wish I would have paid attention to what that person said. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 1 says, Whoever remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. That's sobering. Some, you know, Sometimes we're those people that we've been told, well, we need to change, but we just don't change. We just hold on to our way and you know, I've got people in my own church that I've talked to about their marriage and their, their behavior towards their wives, and they're stiff-necked. 
they will not take responsibility. They just do not want to accept that they've got a few things to change. It's all about their wife or their husband or whatever. And it's so sad because I, I can just tell they're heading straight for divorce. And I just, it's like watching a slow motion train wreck or car wreck. You just go, oh, I wish I could stop it, but I can't. It's just not going to happen. They're going to they're gonna do it and I can't stop them. So let me ask you, how do you, how do you take correction? Do you seek it? Are you easy to approach? I remember this one time I was in a discipling group with a, a church minister and it was like 40 leaders in the group and we were all circled around him and it was after Christmas and he'd given us a couple assignments to do over the holiday and I hadn't done anything. I'd, I'd done nothing. I think he'd ask us to do two things. And so he goes around and he asks, hey, Rob, did you do this? And I said, oh, oh, that, ooh, I'm sorry, I didn't get to that. And so he moved on and asked other people, followed up with other people. Then he went around the room again and asked about the second thing. He said, Rob, did you do this? I'm like, oh, you mean that thing? Oh, I'm so sorry I didn't get to it. Well, he, at that point, he just decided that he was going to use me as an object lesson of laziness and whatever else, you know, com- complete knack- lack of diligence. And he laid into me and he just challenged me for like four minutes. And I was sweating. You know, I was just standing there staring at him. But I was also dating for the first time this, my future wife. And I was just thinking, oh, gosh, this is so embarrassing. I am totally getting laid out. And I was humiliated. I was just so, he was totally right, but I was just sweating it there and I was just having a hard time breathing and stuff. So anyway, we're driving home that night on the Bay Bridge. This is back in San Francisco, going over to Oakland. We lived in Hayward at the time and it was quiet. I had a 71 VW bus. All you could hear is the roar of that engine in the back. And I said, hey, um, what'd you think? And so my girlfriend, she was in the, she was in the side the passenger seat, and she said, I was impressed by you. Now, I was like, what? How could you be impressed? I'm like, to myself, I'm like, what What did she find to be impressed by? I said, well, I said, well, what do you mean you're impressed? And she goes, I was impressed that you didn't cry. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my gosh. This is the girl for me, man. She can she can take complete disaster and humiliation and find something positive about it. And I, that was the turning point for our relationship. But the next morning, I knocked on the door of that guy of the minister's house, and I think he 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 opened the door and he was so shocked. He was like, "Oh no, this guy's gonna yell at me for me rebuking him last night." But I handed him a card that I wrote him and I said, "Thank you for for last night. I'm gonna I'm gonna do better." I appreciate what you said, and I, I take it to heart. And I just walked away, said thanks. Now, he was so shocked, he just kind of stared at me and then closed the door. But I think that really helped me because, yeah, I was wrong. Yeah, it was embarrassing to get challenged, but I chose at that point to be easy to approach and to take the correction and to look for you know the kernel of wisdom. And I think sometimes... We have to have it just custom delivered in a way that is right, where we're not, quote unquote, hurt, you hurt me. And we're such a namby-pamby when it comes to input that no one wants to talk to us. You know, and I talked to some young young leaders, and, and 
you know, as recently I, I had someone into my home and I could just feel the pride, man. I could just, you know, you know, when you get around people, you just go, dude, that guy is so arrogant. Yeah, and you don't even know what it is. It's just the feel, the vibe. You're like, oh man, this dude. And then I ended up talking to the to the person that he his ministry he was in. And that's the first thing he said. He said, well, he's got some areas to work on in this area of pride. I'm like, cool. Okay, that confirms it. Don't be that person. Okay. Do you do you are you an easy, humble person to approach? Or maybe you're a counterattacker. When someone brings something up, you don't thank them, you attack them. You go out, go after them. And you attack them for their weaknesses. And you say, well, what about this? You did that. And you're just a counterattacker. And sometimes that's just the, the way you are, the way God's built you. But you've got to learn not to be that way. Do you look for the weakness or the fault in the messenger? If you're looking for it, you're going to find it. And you're going to miss the opportunity to grow along the way. Have you stopped growing? Are you still growing? When's the last time you took to heart the advice, the correction, or teaching of another person? And I think that for a lot of us, we're in smaller churches, or maybe we're in a smaller ministry, or maybe a Bible talk or whatever, and we're really afraid of seeking input. And I felt this time at times here in Tucson because I like to please people. I like to make people happy. And uh, Bruce Williams is, is, is my, my mentor. And there's times I just don't want to call him because I'm embarrassed. I, I don't have a lot of good news to share. And, and so I'll just not want to talk to him because I'm ashamed or I'm afraid. And then I just had to force myself, hey, listen, get open and call him and, and let him know what's really happening. It's, it's really, it's, it's a combination of feeling sorry for myself and pride. And, you know, recently I just called him and I just had to get open about something I was struggling with. And, and I really appreciate it because he was, he, was, he was also open about his stuff in his life. And I got a lot closer to him. But I feel like there's pressure on myself from pride, but also Satan's working to keep me isolated. And if you're in a situation where you're separated from people a lot and you're on your own, maybe at your work and there's no one really in your life, man, you got to stay open and you got to be humble. Over the past uh, four episodes, we've taken a look at what, it, what does it mean to make your life count? How do you become a person who's, whose life really counts in this world? And I hope it's helped you. And I hope that you've been encouraged and you've picked up a couple things that will really help you. We're going to be going forward and interviewing people who are making this life count. And I hope you'll join me. And I really appreciate you listening to the, to the Rob Skinner podcast because it means a lot to me that you're here with me, especially this far into the program. Again, my goal is to produce a weekly podcast inspiring you to live a no-regrets life, to make this life count, and to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches now, let me ask you a favor. If you enjoyed this program, I'd really like to ask you to subscribe, to rate it, and to review this podcast, and to let other people know about it. And I hope that uh, it'll continue to help other people to become people who have a no-regrets life, make a difference. So have a great day, and make this life count. <laughs>